0: All right, man. So, what do you call a chicken that is staring at a pile of lettuce? Chicken salad. Chicken Caesar
1: salad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you almost I got it. Get the, I didn't
1: get the Caesar part. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that one.
0: Good.
1: Hey, I'm good. Good
0: I'm deal. I'm doing good. Good.
1: Had to had to fight off some uh, some allergy st- stuff going on. That oh, I know. my voice away. We were just talking about how how crappy it would be to just lose your voice, and come Monday morning, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, oh,
0: <laughs> oh, dude. I know we we've had a, a heat advisory and pollen alert here, and I can tell the pollen is a problem. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, Oh no, gotta you know. And of course in, in the time we're in, it's like I got the rona, and then you blow your nose <laughs> blow your nose yeah. and, and take your allergy pill and it goes away and you're like, Okay, thank goodness, you know. I
1: I think now you could fart openly in public <laughs> and and get away with it more so than coughing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You, you, you call for sneeze in public. Everybody is looking at you like you're an outcast. Yep. Uh, you, you fart. Everybody's just like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Dude,
0: <laughs> the past 18 months, you haven't been able to cough in public. And <laughs> I've had that talk with Michael before, before going into someplace. I'm like, okay, look, I know you got allergies going, but suppress the sneeze. Hold in the sneeze. Hold in the cough. And he's like, but, but I said, I don't care. I don't care. Hold it in. Hold it in. Whatever you got to do, hold it in. Uh, So real quick, we want to say, go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. Go check them out. You can find some information on podcasting and you can find some different shows to listen to. They got a bunch of different shows. They're a bunch of awesome shows to be a part of. Um, Also want to say uh, thank you to our sponsors for tonight. It's Every Plate, Magic Spoon, and Best Fiends. And you can help the graveyard out a ton By visiting our sponsors' websites, using our URL. And if you say, hey, I want to help the show out, but I can't afford to sign up for monthly Patreon or whatever, purchasing something from one of our sponsors using our code helps us out. It really does because that shows that they're getting traction from our show and they will come back. And that helps us keep, you know, Graveyard Tales as a free show and, and, We can keep running the ads and we can keep making it better for you because these sponsors are coming back. So if you can, if you want to help us out, go check out our sponsors, purchase something from them, at least go check them out using our URL. While you're online, we have just set up a Rumble account. Um, So Rumble and then search Graveyard Tales podcast. You can find us. We're going to start putting up our videos on there. We've only got a couple up so far. But we're as it goes on. We're gonna keep uploading all of our episodes on there, like we do on YouTube. So if you're into the video sharing and all that, go to go to Rumble. Look us up, follow us on there, share our videos, like our videos, that kind of stuff. Or you can go to Patreon.com/slash and sign up to become a one, five, or ten dollar patron, and you get different bonuses. For doing that. Our $10 a month patrons get the video version of all of our shows. So you can watch Matt and I do this and they're ad free video versions. So you get perks that way and and you get different perks depending on which tier you're signing up for. So go check it out. You can go check out the different perks that you get and decide which one you want. And you get videos for the $5 as well. Um, But they are videos of the Patreon episodes, and we try to do one of those a week at the very minimum to keep all of our patrons happy and to thank you guys for the support that you give us on there.
1: Okay, let's take a minute and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Best Fiends. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know that Adam and I enjoy playing best fiends it's it, it, it's our it's our coffee break yeah. you know it, it you know it, it just takes you away from the the stress of the day and and just gives you something fun to sit and do that you can do anytime um and you know in my opinion it's it's the best you know match three style game that's out there you know the rest are just different variations of the same thing
0: and as y'all know our opinion is always correct
1: (laughs) so you know if you're tired of you know crushing the same old candy you should download best fiends
0: that's right and with best fiends you actually play through a storyline a a true storyline complete with good guys the fiends and not so good guys the slugs so your fiends start out uh, as little baby versions of their future selves and you play through it and the more you play the more fiends join your team and the more powerful they become helping you solve increasingly challenging puzzles as you progress through the game so you actually get to grow your little fiends there and and it's kind of like feeding a baby and watching them grow it's pretty cool grow up to be superheroes who fight giant slugs you know but it, it's, it's still like feeding your baby and watching them grow so and like like Matt said, we play this all the time. It's a little break for us. And my dad actually started playing. I got him to start playing. And it's something occasionally he'll text me about, okay, how do you beat this level? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of ignorant to it. So let me give you to Ashley and she'll tell you how to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: as much as we love it, our wives kick our butt on it.
1: They sure do. All right, so you can download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends.
0: That's right. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Matt, that's all I got. So, all right. Why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight?
1: Okay, so tonight we are going to travel to the Irish Sea. We're gonna look at uh, the Isle of Man. There you go, or 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 Saint Patrick's Isle, Saint Patrick's Island, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Because as you're going to see tonight. Researching (laughs) this topic was very interesting. It was. But we're going to talk about Peel Castle. So uh, Peel Castle is is interesting because it has not just um, Scottish and Irish history. It also has Norwegian Viking history associated with it. It's extraordinarily old. It's probably one of the oldest places we've discussed. Um so needless to say it would probably be haunted wouldn't you think
0: you would think so yeah
1: <laughs> but you know the, adam adam's going to get into this but it, it is it is kind of funny how the uh, you, you get some of these really old places and it's hard to find accurate history oh yeah oh yeah so let us let us know what you found adam all right so <sighs>
0: A lot of this information I got from the Peel Heritage Trust and they had documents on it. So I thought, you know, after looking into it and Matt and I talked about this a couple times through this last week of research on it, that you find something here that says this and then within the same breath, they contradict it with something else or you go look at another source and it tells you something totally different. It starts out the same and you're like, okay, cool. I'm verified. Oh, wait, no, it's totally different. <laughs> so it's like these people showed up here at this time, or maybe it was 30 years later, or it was a hundred years before, or it was yesterday, or they didn't show up at all, or they brought their dog with them. Right. And and it's like, I, I, I don't, un- this is the, the cook. I mean, I texted Matt and I was so frustrated with this research and this is the most frustrated I've ever been. And I Matt, I don't I don't know what happened with the (laughs) historical documents of this place. I don't know what happened with the the historians, but somebody was smoking something when they were writing this stuff down.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way. It it and it's it's funny. It's we find contradictions all the time, but this Mm -hmm. would be the equivalent of going of two people going, oh, this happened in Dallas. No, 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 it happened in Houston. And then the third person going, no, it happened on the moon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like way off. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. You know,
0: okay, Dallas, Houston, I get that. Then, you know, people maybe not from here wouldn't know yeah. that they're that far apart. But then having the third guy come in and go, oh, it was a lunar landing. Uh,
1: what? <laughs> yeah. Not the same city, not the same state, hell, not even the same planet. No.
0: (laughs) So we've had that problem this whole time um, with, you know, the history of the area and the castle that contradict itself in so many different sources. So we did the best we could. Um, We tried to get the most credible sources that we could find. Uh, That's why I went with the Peel Heritage Trust for a lot of this information. And Ancient Origins, which I've talked about before, I trust Ancient Origins because I've verified a lot of the stuff on their website in the past on different articles, so I tend to trust them more than other places. I trust them a lot more than Wikipedia. I'll put it that way. Um, Wikipedia might be a good stepping stone, like use their sources, but don't, don't believe everything Wikipedia has to say. That's all I'm saying. Um, but some of these things we found was like an eight year old wrote a Wikipedia entry on this place. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, go check out our sources. Um, like we always say, they're down at the bottom of the show notes and you can see where we found this stuff, um, where we found the contradicting stuff and, and where we found an apple pie recipe, uh, for (laughs) peel castle. Um, it was the apple peel pie uh, <laughs> recipe.
1: This is this was a classic Viking apple pie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: they loved it with cheddar cheese.
1: Yeah, and probably and probably blood all over it.
0: Yep the they ate it out of the skull of their enemies. <laughs> it was baked between two thigh bones of their enemies. <laughs> So let's look at a quick history of the island. Um, The Isle of Man is a small island in the Irish Sea between Ireland and England, and it's a crown dependency of the United Kingdom, which I'll I'll explain what that is here in a second. Um, But the island was settled approximately 8,000 years ago, and it has a long and diverse history and fascinating archaeological sites. And we'll touch on some of the archaeology as well. Um, I guess by diverse history, they mean... It's divergent from one to another. Um, that, I guess that's what diverse means here. But the Isle of Man became an island 85,000 years ago when melting glaciers caused sea levels to rise, cutting off Mesolithic Britain from mainland Europe. Now, the first human occupation arrived on the island as the Ice Age retreated some 10,000 years ago. Now, in the 8th or ninth century, the Vikings landed on the island and controlled it for the next few centuries, or maybe they didn't, depending on where you look. (laughs) Um, They established a parliament on the island known as the Tinwald, possibly the oldest continuous parliament in the world. And I know if you're from around there, you're going to correct me on my pronunciation of that, but that's the best I got. Um, The Isle of Man later became part of the Kingdom of the Isles, which included the Western Scottish Isles, which was controlled by the King of Norway until the 13th century. Now, in 1254, it was ceded to the Scottish King. During the series of wars known as the Scottish Wars of Independence, the island alternated between Scottish and English control. But by the late 14th century, the English controlled the island and they ruled through a series of local lords. Today, the island is largely self-governing and is a popular tourist location as well as a financial center. Now, like I said, the Isle of Man is a crown dependency. Well, it's not like you you, you claim dependence on your taxes necessarily, but it kind of is. Um, it means that technically it's a possession of the crown or the queen directly, not of the UK. So the queen herself owns the Isle of Man. UK doesn't, like, the United States owns Hawaii. Uh-huh. This this would be like the president owning Hawaii. So it's a little different. I kind of, I think it's kind of cool. I'd like to have a, a an atom dependency island.
1: Um, i have one i have a matt dependency island it's called my house (laughs) there you go full of people that are dependent on matt
0: there you go (laughs) I, i i would call it though if i had it i would call it the baseball cap dependency or the ball you know like the the hat dependency or something since i'm always wearing a baseball cap um now the or the original language on the Isle of Man was called Manx, M-A-N-X. And Manx is a Gaelic language similar to some types of Irish Gaelic. Um, The last native speaker of Manx, though, Ned Madrell, died in 1974. There are modern attempts to revive Manx, although only 2% of the population have any knowledge of the language, which makes it pretty hard to revive that Mm -hmm. language. So Manx is... For all intents and purposes, a dead language.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody really uses it anymore. You, you find some literature that uh, that is written in it. There's some of the history of the island is is written in in Manx, um, which may may account for some of the disparity in. And timelines. That's and a valid point. Yeah. And, you know, so just it's kind of lost in translation.
0: That's a valid point. It's like um, hieroglyphs used to be before they became something that a lot of scholars now can read and a lot of mm-hmm. um, Egyptian uh, hi- historical societies and everything learned. It was like one of those things, well, what does this say? It's a pretty picture of a bird. Um, That's kind of the way Manx is now, is people are like, well, I think it says this. But somebody could come behind them and go, well, no, it actually says this. So we've got to revive this language. And, And you make a very valid point. I think if we can revive Manx to a more usable language, we might be able to pin down the history of this a little better.
1: You know, yeah, you ever have somebody write you a note or a letter or something and you're trying to read it and you realize their handwriting is so poor that yeah. there's a lot left that could be misinterpreted. Mhm. So I always wonder, you know, were there Egyptians that had terrible handwriting?
0: Oh, I'm sure. And they're
1: they're like, "Well, you you failed this quiz." Well, why? I, I put the right answer there. No, the right answer was bird, onk, scarab. And you put dog, onk, and scribbly lines. No, 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 no. That's exactly what that is.
0: Yeah, that's a
1: bird. You can't tell <laughs> that's a bird? Trying to defend, you know, your you're your drawing of a bird.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I think it, it's uh, people say it was a simple language. I don't think it was a simple language at all. I well, think you
1: got to be a damn artist to do. To
0: yep. It. I think English, comparatively, is is a way simpler language to write phonetically yeah. than hieroglyphs or any uh, any language like that um, that uses pictograms. Because you had, you had to have some type of artistic ability or you just you didn't get the, the wording across. So it's probably why there were scribes that did it rather than like the, the everyday person could do it. But if you wanted something done, you took it to a scribe because like this guy's you should see this guy's Anubis drawing. This guy has the best Anubis drawing in the world. So we're taking it to him to have him transcribe these court documents.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. got to be careful.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so let's look at the castle a little bit. And this is from the Peel Heritage Trust. So some of this may sound a little fluffy language, and it kind of is. But it says, St. Patrick's Isle, home to Peel Castle, is linked to the Isle of Man, by a causeway. It's believed that Irish missionaries came here about the year 550, disciples of St. Patrick, and probably not as local legend has it led by him, but by St. Carmaine. This would be a suitably isolated spot for monks of the Christian Celtic church to choose. Now that's part of the history that kind of goes back and forth. Some. Some places you'll see St. Patrick himself landed there. A lot of other places say, no, he didn't. But I'm going with the Peel Heritage Trust documents because I feel like if anybody's going to get it right, some something related to the Peel Heritage Trust is going to be right.
1: Yeah. And you know, these paintings of St. Patrick arriving at the Isle of Man, he looks remarkably like the the depictions of Moses.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Wait a minute! Saint Patrick looks like a looks like a badass. You know, he's got all this <laughs> long, flowy, gray hair, and he's all God, He's like it. it kind of looks like uh, like Zeus coming up, you know. And I'm like, that doesn't look like the Saint Patrick I've seen before.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's probably somebody just claiming to be him. That yeah, you know, that's some right. old Viking warrior. Then they were like. Are you St. Patrick? And he's like, yes, yes, I am. (laughs) Now, the first known fortification on St. Patrick's Isle came after the arrival in 1098 of the invading Viking chieftain known as Magnus Barefoot. Now, The Chronicles of the Kings of Man and the Isles tells us that Magnus saw to the erection of two wooden prefabricated forts one now believed to be in the south of the island and the other on St. Patrick's Isle. It is likely that the rampart of this fort would have been topped by some sort of wooded fence or paling or peel, um, the possible inspiration of the eventual name of both the castle and the town. Now, The visible stonework in the castle includes the remains of buildings belonging to the Celtic monastery, possibly dating from the 6th to 8th centuries, Um, and the 13th century Cathedral of St. German, a later building um, and later buildings allied to it. Other buildings include a medieval armory and barracks. Now These are protected by fortifications consisting of 14th century flanking towers linked by 15th century curtain walls. So, so far, this is saying that um, it is a hodgepodge of all sorts of different fortifications from different eras, so we'll post some pictures of Peel Castle on Patreon, but you can look them up too. And and they're, I mean, it's it's impressive. Mm-hmm. It really is, but
1: when you when you think about when it was built,
0: yeah, yeah, very much so. Now, this goes on to say that the latest military construction took place in the early 19th century during the Napoleonic Wars and later in the 1860s during the time of Napoleon III. It is considered that a vestige of Magnus's fort was found during the final phase of excavations of 1982 to 1987 when rough stonework of a rampart was uncovered at a depth of five meters beneath the surface just inside the present curtain wall to the north of the cathedral. And we'll talk a little bit more here in a minute about the archaeological finds and stuff there, because they did find a couple interesting things. And I say a couple, you know, there was was a lot, but we'll talk about a couple. Now, let's dive a little bit deeper uh, into this, um, still on the Peel Heritage Trust information. So this goes on to say that after the Isle of Man passed into English Suzerainty, which we had to look this up, it's basically like you're under the rule of somebody, but you can govern yourself. You have limited governing potential for yourself. Um, In the early 14th century, the fortress we see today was created. Firstly, about 1390, the Sandstone Keep the Peel Tower, which eventually was to give its name to the town, was built along with the so-called Red Curtain, the adjoining sandstone curtain walls. This was to compensate for the weakness of defenses at this point, so easy, so easy of access at low tide. Flanking towers were also built and later the rest of the curtain walls. These are nicknamed the Green Curtain after the slate used which was quarried from an area just outside the castle at the northernmost part of St. Patrick's Isle. This says Peel Castle was garrisoned as the administrative center of the north side of the island, with Castle Rushen controlling the south side. In addition to its governmental role, Peel Castle was used as a prison. One of the best-known political prisoners was Edward Christian, the Earl of Derby's lieutenant governor on the island. Christian was one of the leaders of the 1643 protest of tithes. The Earl very cleverly calmed the large crowd of protesters who had gathered to meet him at the Green at Peel, today a public car park and grassy area along Peel Promenade. Christian, whose revolutionary reforms included election of the members of the House of Keys, was arrested and charged with treason. He died in 1661 during his second period of imprisonment in Peel Castle. So, it, it used as a prison. We know that prisons, they got some bad energy with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the this says the cathedral crypt became notorious as the bishop's prison, housing Sabbath breakers for short periods. This crypt was and remains dank, dark, and cheerless, conditions which made long sentences unnecessary. Those incarcerated had been caught, possibly by their neighbors, desecrating the Sabbath or Special Saints Day by playing the violin, making hay, or by fishing.
1: Making hay.
0: mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a euphemism.
1: (laughs) That's what I was kind of thinking. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, basically, if you were... A Sabbath breaker during this this time, if, if you did something besides worship on the Sabbath, and your neighbors turned you in, then you'd go to this this prison here for a little while. Um, go to the cathedral crypt.
1: I was, like, I was just going to say, man, that would suck. Can Dude, you wouldn't imagine? Yeah, you're out there. You know, it's like, man. I, you know what? i I'd, I'd love to just go fishing. Mm-hmm. And then one of your neighbors calls you out with like You broke the Sabbath. Dude. Come get him take him to prison.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ratting on your neighbor, that's not cool, man.
1: Yeah. Ancient Karen.
0: Yeah. Now this goes on to say that meanwhile, just to the north of the cathedral, in the most sheltered area of the castle, the English lords of man, the Earls of Derby, built their private apartments the cathedral continued its role until 1785 when it saw the last enthronement of a bishop. Even then, in a bad state of repair, its final humiliation came in 1824 when the remaining roof timbers collapsed in a violent storm, leaving the cathedral as we see it today. All right, Matt, so as we've said before one of the most irritating things in the world is having to go to the grocery store. Absolutely dislike going and grocery shopping because you always spend a lot more time and money than you need in the grocery store. So one of the ways that Matt and I combat that is by joining EveryPlate. Now EveryPlate is owned by HelloFresh and you know we've talked about HelloFresh before. Um, but every plate and HelloFresh have come together to form one company with a wide array of offerings at all price points for you to enjoy, and we we really think you're going to like it because every plate is a cheaper way than going to the grocery store, and you don't buy all this extra junk that you're never going to use. They send you boxes every week or at two weeks, however you sign up for it, and it's got all of your ingredients in there, exactly the right amounts that you're going to need, so there's not buying a big bundle of parsley and 90% of it rots in your refrigerator drawer, which is great. So you can experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's Best Value Meal Kit.
1: Yeah, and the recipes come together in about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. And you know, one thing that I always dislike is you, you go and you, and you get on the internet and you search for a, a, a new recipe, something different, something you've never tried before. And inevitably, there is some ingredient that you've never used you don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and you're not even sure if you can find it in your local grocery store oh yeah
0: i had that happen a lot
1: yeah every plate solves that problem because they give you everything you need and it you're guaranteed to have something that you've never experienced before Mm -hmm. but you know it's going to be good and and you know it's going to be affordable and it's fun i mean I know Michael enjoys it. Oh, yeah. Brooks and Piper go nuts because they know at, at 9 and 12, they're going to get to help with dinner. Right. And and we feel comfortable knowing that because everything is already measured out. You know, we don't have to worry if one of them mixes up the the tablespoon with the teaspoon <laughs> or something right. like that, and you're, you're sitting there eating this super salty dish. Yeah. It, it's not going to happen with every plate because you get what you need you know it's it's easy affordable and you're cooking you know delicious you know family pleasing meals
0: restaurant style meals
1: exactly you feel like a chef
0: and you didn't have to take any training to do that
1: yeah so take it from adam and myself every plate is definitely something that you should try for all the reasons we mentioned and even more so, Graveyard Tales listeners can try every plate for just 199 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering our promo code, Graveyard199. That's G R A V E Y A R D199.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing deal. You can get started with every plate for just $1.99 per meal. Where else are you going to find that? All you got to do is go to everyplate.com and enter our promo code graveyard199, G R A V E Y A R D 199. Same for the construction of a revetment for two heavy guns plus a guardhouse and powderhouse about 1816, the castle was abandoned until a revival of the garrison was necessary in the 1860s because of the scare caused by the renewed predatory ambitions of France. Today's ruinous state of the former Lord's apartment buildings is due to their being used as a quarry for the construction of these defenses. There was some refurbishment at the behest of Sir Henry Locke the island's enlightened lieutenant governor from 1863 to 1883, and his period of duty coincided with the burgeoning of both the tourist trade and the fishing industry, both of which became so important to the livelihood of Peel's inhabitants. This says there have been several archaeological excavations carried out in Peel Castle. By far the largest was carried out uh, 1982 to 1987 by Liverpool University archaeological group at the behest of the Manx Museum and the then government property trustees. This was a, quote, teaching dig in which the public were invited to take part, supervised by qualified archaeologists. So that would be kind of cool. I would like to do that.
1: Yeah, that would be neat to be able to, you know, go on an archaeological dig, even though you're not really an archaeologist. And Yeah. Just see firsthand and help. Oh, yeah. And, you I'd, know, I'd love that. Can you Some guys out there going, look what I found. And then and smash mm-hmm. some thousand-year-old vase that he dug up.
0: <laughs> yep. Like, That's why they don't uh, do it much. <laughs> but, I mean, if we got any archaeologists out there that are doing anything around Texas, I would love to go out sometime and at least see the process, hang out, I could chip in a, I would say strong back, but I don't have that strong a back. It was injured several years ago, so a mediocre strong back. And we could, I I just, I I think that would be, that would be awesome. Especially if you're, if you're digging for ancient peoples, artifacts, or dinosaurs. Hit me up. I'd love to join you. Now, this says a large number of volunteers, mainly local residents, but people from Britain and some from abroad, including the USA, also took part. The many important finds included a cache of silver coins dating from around 1030, an extensive burial ground with several hundred graves. So that's always good for Mm -hmm. um, hauntings and stuff like that is disturbing ancient grave sites. Um, These included that of the so-called, quote, pagan lady buried with her beautiful necklace, signs of Magnus Barefoot's fort of 1098, and many details of the Lord of Man's apartments. An unexpected bonus as a claim to fame is the finding of the British Isles earliest human flea. (laughs) That was a tiny discovery.
1: I mean, how in the heck would you find that
0: and verify it as the earliest human flea? That's impressive in and of itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, the flea is about the size of the dirt you're sweeping off.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So, I mean, that that had to have been found by an actual archaeologist and not some ding dong out there helping yeah. They probably they probably scooped it up, put it in a bucket, and some archaeologist came behind them and went, well, wait, man, you're throwing away evidence.
1: Yeah, I see that flea in there.
0: Mm-hmm. But, um, like we said, the history was kind of all over the place, so um, the Peel Heritage Trust is where we got most of this. Hopefully, it's as close to accurate as we could get. Um, this has been, like I said, the most frustrating history dive that i've done <laughs> um so i have to say thank you to the peel heritage trust for this yeah. information that i was able to read because that helped kind of subside my anger and frustration
1: well i have to say the the paranormal uh, documentation is only slightly better but but it is it is a little better um which is but, unusual it is unusual. That's this is this is flipped for the way things typically run for us. And although there is very little documented paranormal evidence from Peel Castle, there are stories from amateur paranormal investigators that indicate that the building is very active, almost like it's still alive. Now, There are accounts of shadows darting in and out of the remaining structures, uh, the sound of a dog running, a man's loud laughter, heavy footsteps, and sightings of men kneeling in a group at the foot of the north wall. So there seems like you know at first glance there there is a lot going on, but but possibly the most famous legend from Peel Castle is that of. Madi do. Now the the Madi is uh, a giant black dog with fire red eyes and razor sharp teeth. The dog is says to is said to have appeared almost every day after the castle gates were closed. It terrified the guards because of its abnormally huge size, and more often than not, it entered the guard room where the guards were enjoying you know, some some wine or ale and keeping warm by the fire. Now, the dog, it made no sound at all. It only laid quietly by the fire until dawn when it got up and left the room. Now, I don't know be, that that
0: would scare me, though. I mean, to be honest with you, if it yeah. just some dog came in and laid down, I think I'd be, oh, okay, here, you want a biscuit? I mean,
1: yeah, well, then then dig this. So, there used to be a passage that connected um, Pill uh, Pil Castle and, and across the church grounds, leading to the apartment of the captain of the guard. Now, the Mati Dew was always seen to come from that passage at the end of the day and return through that passage as the, as the morning dawned. Hmm. Now, as long as the dog was sitting or lying, it was harmless. But as the story goes, if he got up and followed you, death came with him. Oh. So one day in 1666, as the legend says, a drunk soldier yelled and challenged the dog, stating that he feared no evil. Now, the dog rose quietly, followed the drunk soldier. A few minutes later, screams were heard, and the soldier came back white as a ghost with eyes filled with fear for three days, the soldier refused to talk and died on the third day. Oh, wow. Yep.
0: I mean, you don't challenge anything paranormal, man.
1: That's right. You know, just especially, well, and I don't know if, you know, black dogs were already kind of an omen, you know, mm-hmm. in the 1600s. So, Oh yeah. Hey, it makes sense that you you're not going to challenge just a black dog. No, you know, no. That's just you know, any, it's an omen of death, or at the at the least, it's an omen of misfortune. Yep. So you know why why tease it? You know, oh, I know, I know. Give it a bone. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Make friends with it.
0: Give it a turkey leg and, and a scratch on the belly, and hopefully, <laughs> it, it brings you good luck.
1: That's right. But that story was supposedly the last sighting of the dog and the passage was sealed up and never used again after the haunting and a different pathway was constructed. So, I mean, it was serious enough that they were like, eh, we are not, we are just going to close this off. Yeah. But sightings of the black dog haven't been limited to ancient legends. One William Walter Gill collected much of the Matidu folklore And even some firsthand accounts. In 1927, a friend of Gill's reportedly saw the dog turning towards Glenn Alden. And he said it was black with long, shaggy hair with eyes like coals of fire. Wow. And a doctor, while driving the road, um, the same road uh, in 1931, encountered. A black, a big black dog-like creature nearly the size of a calf with bright staring eyes. Oh, so a dog you the got size a, of a calf, that's a big dog.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. Is if you got a dog the size of a calf, I mean, maybe it was like a Irish wolfhound, mm-hmm. but geez, Irish wolfhounds are huge.
1: Yep. I remember we were at uh, Oktoberfest. And there was a couple that had brought their Irish wolfhound mm-hmm. out to the festivities, and of course, you know the joke. You you know, hey, nice horse.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> the
1: guys, like never heard that one before. <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. But I'm serious. It, it, I mean, it could have very well been a small horse. I mean, it was an mm-hmm. enormous dog,
0: Shetland pony.
1: So let's talk about some of the spirits that are encountered at. Peel Castle and so this is this is going to take us back into a little bit of the history um, to understand you know this this particular haunting now as I said the Mati Du is probably the most famous spirit wandering around Peel Castle but he definitely isn't alone Ellen in 1441 Eleanor Cobham was tried and convicted of practicing witchcraft against the king in an attempt to retain power for her husband the Duke of Gloucester. Now, King Henry's death would have meant that the Duke would assume the throne and thus Eleanor would have been queen. The accusation stemmed from a horoscope, which was produced by astrologer Roger Bolingbroke and Thomas Southwell. And it it was produced for Eleanor in which the death of the king was predicted. And when King Henry found out about this, he accused the man of trying to murder him through necromancy. Of course, if you're going to murder somebody with magic, necromancy is the way to go for sure.
0: That's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah. Now, when they questioned him, Bolingbroke named Eleanor as the instigator. So talk about throwing somebody under the bus. No Um, kidding. Now, along with them was Marjorie Jordamane. He also, also known, ratted
0: him. He also ratted him out for fishing on the Sabbath. So
1: <laughs> Sabbath. That's right. She's a witch, and she fished on the Sabbath.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throw her in the bishop's keep.
1: Oh, witch! Well, but fishing on the Sabbath. You know, yeah. Lock her up.
0: We could forgive the witch thing, but that's right. I, I can't just look past fishing on the Sabbath.
1: Like who's not practicing witchcraft these days?
0: Right. You I know? mean, it, it's a fad.
1: <laughs> but but along along with them was Marjorie Jordamain, who was also known as the Witch of Eye Next Westminster. What a title. I don't yeah. know if that, that would really be a title. That's, just, that's what they called her. Um, it's like a well, nickname. Yeah. One of the charges against Marjorie, was that she had made a, a waxen image of the king, which when melted away would result in a decline in his health. Well, it's kind of like a, a wax voodoo doll.
0: That's impressive.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Eleanor confessed to seeking the help of Maine for a potion to help her become pregnant. But that was all that they needed to link Eleanor to the supposed conspiracy. All of them were found guilty, of course. I mean, you know, they're not going to let oh, one yeah. of them off. No. Now, Southwell was imprisoned in the Tower of London, where he eventually died. Bolingbroke was hanged, drawn, and quartered. Oh. Figured one or the other would have probably been sufficient.
0: Yeah, I would think so.
1: I never understood the reason to draw and quarter somebody that was already dead. They I mean, uh. did.
0: Yeah, unless your belief was that, like some, they they would come back after death if they were whole, then maybe I could see that. But I don't think at this point in time, their their beliefs were that you would come back from the dead unless you were vampiric or something like that.
1: And Maybe it was just, you know, it, it, this would have been treason. So, yeah. It's just the way it was, you know. we are gonna, we're gonna make an example out of you. That uh, yeah, that may be it. Now, Marjorie Jordan maine was burned at the stake, and as far as Eleanor goes, well, she got life in prison. So, at the time, the the quote unquote prison for Eleanor was a tour of castles where she was held prisoner. Um, One of the castles that she was held prisoner was, you guessed it, Peel Castle. That's cool. Now, some accounts say that she was kept there for as long as 19 years, yet others report that she was only there from 1446 to 1449, which is a total of three years. Um, And there's other accounts that have other other uh, numbers of years that Eleanor spent there so it's really 12, difficult to say
0: 30 97
1: yeah I mean 18. you
0: know
1: they, <laughs> they said she, we know this she was there yep we, we do know well, that she was there it's documented that she was there
0: for some period of time she was there
1: but it does not appear that Eleanor died there um but it is believed that her spirit returned. Now, the swift-moving shadow of a slender woman is reported to slip up behind visitors with an unnatural speed. And some speculate that she is the one that cursed the castle, and others believe that she may have conjured the Mati Du.
0: Hmm.
1: So, I mean, you know, you, you get held prisoner in a castle, and you are accused of witchcraft, and maybe, maybe she was a witch. She Maybe. was friends friends with a witch. Yeah. Maybe she learned a little something.
0: Yep. Learned how to conjure a black dog.
1: Yeah. You know. Um I, I couldn't I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up, but this was really difficult to verify. And this I told Adam before we started recording, you know, about I I, I got so deep into this, I was reading like like copies of documents from you know the 1400s mm-hmm. and, and i'm just I'm, I'm sitting there just like going wall-eyed trying to make heads or tails of this but it does appear that she was also imprisoned at leeds castle huh uh, guess what else was seen at leeds castle yeah a black dog mm-hmm. so maybe um maybe that's you know, a
0: trick she knows she was able to
1: to do something like this um you know maybe she had the ability to conjure such a such a creature yeah Um, especially since it was at two of the places where she was held prisoner now going back even further than uh than than eleanor we, we go all the way back to when the vikings uh first came in and took over the island.
0: Magnus Barefoot's time.
1: Magnus Barefoot. What about it? So Magnus olofsson or Magnus Barefoot as he was called was a Viking king of Norway and conqueror who built the fortifications on the Isle of Man and negotiated a treaty that gave the islands of the of the Irish Sea to the Norwegian kingdom so you know Adam mentioned that they belong to the kingdom of Norway this is how that happened mm-hmm. now although he may have been barefoot some of the time the name is most likely a mistranslation because Magnus wore a kilt he was very fashion forward and uh, this would make him bare-legged or bare-legged Damn. if you if you will and possibly that is the correct translation of his moniker. So it wasn't necessarily or, that he was walking around barefoot. He just had bare legs and it was mistranslated as barefoot.
0: Or again, it's a mistranslation, but when he got his name, it was a windy day and it was Magnus Bearbutt <coughs> And <laughs> You know, now, the, the wind blew the kilt up and that, that happens. I mean,
1: now, he was a Viking. He wasn't a Scotsman, so, you know.
0: He, yeah, it's odd that he would wear a kilt.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, they, S- Scotland didn't have a monopoly on kilts, you know.
0: I, I actually think they did. Have you ever played Scottish Monopoly? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I, no, me either. I don't even think it exists, but I was <laughs> trying to make a joke out of it. But.
1: <laughs> I thought there was a joke coming. <laughs> I thought, man, that's uh, what, what's he got?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. Nothing. Well, uh,
1: but the the heavy footsteps and the loud laughter that's heard in Pill Castle has been attributed to Magnus's spirit roaming the ruins. Now, visitors have reported being pushed by a strong force that has also been connected to the Viking king. Viking king, say that five times fast. <laughs> All right. If you've listened to this show, you know that one of my favorite snacks is cereal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I just love it. I have since I was a kid. I mean, growing up, Saturday morning, I'd get up, fix my big bowl of cereal, plop in front of the TV, ready to watch cartoons. But as an adult, I'm trying to eat better. I'm I'm trying to be healthier. And that makes you think, ugh. Healthy breakfast doesn't involve cereal. Yeah. Well, with Magic Spoon, that changes. Now you can have a good, healthy breakfast, but still get that cereal that you loved as a kid. That's right. And, you know, I
0: I, I talked about this last time we talked about Magic Spoon, but my grandmother has really started liking it, too, because... She has to watch her carbs and her sugar intake, Mm -hmm. but she, like us, loves cereal, and that may be kind of where I get the love from is my grandmother, but I gave her a box of the maple waffle. And she just loves it. So we got her on the Magic Spoon train, too. And it's good for her because it's zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And there's only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. And right now, you can build your own box. The available flavors they have to build your own custom box are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream and maple waffle. And they've added back the cookies and cream and the maple waffle permanently because it was a limited time thing and then people wanted it so much that they put it back. And Matt, I can see why they wanted that maple waffle back. That is oh, good yeah. stuff.
1: It's it's my it's my new favorite. Yeah. And and I was a big fan of the cinnamon, still am. But when I tried the maple waffle, phew, I was sold. It reminds me of a, of a cereal that I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great.
0: It is. And, you you know, if you're looking for a healthier alternative to the cereals that you eat in the morning or even as a midday, midnight snack, something like that, then you should try Magic Spoon. And all you've got to do is go to magicspoon.com slash grave And you can grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. Now, be sure to use our promo code GRAVE, that's G-R-A-V-E, at checkout, and you can save $5 off your order.
1: Yeah, and Magic Spoon is so confident that you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So remember, it's your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash grave and use our promo code grave, G-R-A-V-E, to get $5 off. Now, monks have also been seen praying at the foot of the northern wall. Now, these are the, the, the apparitions of men kneeling at the northern wall. Mm-hmm. Now, it's unknown what time period these monks may have been from, but it's possible they are from two separate eras. Accounts of the monks in Peel Castle date back over 700 years. Now, during excavation, remains of monks were discovered in a hidden chamber, one with the remains of a large dog buried at his feet.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So why is it creepy to me? It seems creepier to me to have apparitions kneeling and, and praying than it does just to see an apparition walking. Why well, I, I don't understand why that like, it feels like it brings more of a creep factor to see a, a kneeling apparition.
1: I don't know. It is kind of strange.
0: You don't hear about it much.
1: No, you don't. But you know, if this was a practice of the monks, um, and their spirit was left, mm-hmm. then this, you know, what you may be seeing is just them replaying. Oh, a yeah. Regular routine. Yep. You know, monks don't have a lot of, uh, leisure time. You
0: know? No, that's true.
1: They, they tend to do a lot of the same things over and over and over again. Um, so you're probably seeing a lot of that if you're seeing the apparition of the monks. Now, that's pretty much where the the paranormal stories end. And when you when you start digging into this, what you find is that not only is the Mahdi Do the you know the most famous, it's it's one of the only ones. I mean, you know. Yeah. It, you every site you see will bring up these stories, and I understand. Um, it really took some digging to find info on the other spirits, but when you consider the age of of Peel Castle, um, the age of the settlements on the Isle of Man, it you know it it makes sense that there would be some residual there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, conflict, death. And then as Adam said, you know, we they used it as a prison, not just for Eleanor, um, but for other folks too. And um all these, you know, fishermen, you know, that got locked up <laughs> for fishing on the Sabbath. You know, that was right. terrible. Um but it 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 is it is strange that there hasn't been any real official paranormal investigation of Peel Castle. And I I really couldn't find a reason for that other than I thought maybe it it may not be the easiest place to you know secure that kind of travel and yeah you know yeah you know, it, it's it's one thing for you know a, a paranormal group to to travel abroad but it's another when there's so many places that you could choose from that are extraordinarily active and have well documented history to just go yeah let's go to the isle of man you know yeah. and it, and it is a, it is more of a um, of a tourist spot you know now i mean there's a lot but if you're if you're interested we're going to do a follow up patreon mm-hmm. episode about the haunted areas on the isle of man and surprisingly I found quite a few um, that
0: are not Peel Castle, that
1: are not Peel Castle. So, you know, the island itself is is pretty active uh, and has, you know, some some fairly well-documented paranormal activity outside of the castle itself. Um, So if, if this interests you. Jump on our patreon and pick up we've we've done this before. We've had I don't know maybe four or five shows that we added a little bit of extra info or we had something that was connected that we we gave you a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. in our in our Patreon episode. So you do have that as well. It's not all just you know other shows and other topics. Sometimes we expound on something from one of the regular episodes.
0: That may I mean, not fit well in the main episode.
1: That's right. You know we're not we're not discussing the Isle of Man per se tonight, but we are going to discuss some of those haunted places in an upcoming Patreon episode. Uh, I think we we did this with um, you with know, the Philadelphia experiment. I think we had an yep. extra show on that. Um, we did. I think we had a we've had a few others. So it's a it's a pretty neat little thing. Gets you some extra information. Um, You know, it's just some of that stuff we find as we're researching. We're like, hey, this is interesting. It doesn't fit right now, but uh, we're going to put a bookmark on this and come back to it later. So, I don't know. This is the time where we ask you, what do you think? And honestly, I'd be surprised if any of you had been able to formulate an opinion from what we were able to find. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of the opinion of, Hey, this place is really old. Um, you know, there are human remains there. That was built on top of a of a graveyard. Um, you know, it was a prison. I'd say you got a pretty good chance uh, that this place is haunted.
0: Um, and we wanted to do this because when you look up lists of haunted places, Peel Castle usually comes up. So we started looking into it. And we found all this weirdness. And like we've done on other places where we've looked into something and it may be on a list of super haunted places. But Matt and I could not verify any hauntings at all. We're kind of doing this in the same vein of it. There is activity there, but it's not as active as other places we've researched. And the history is. Kind of wonky and all that. So it gives you something to think about when you're looking at different haunted places and this comes up.
1: Yeah. And and I've said this before, um, and it's kind of an aside, but it it it, I use it in my research. TripAdvisor is a great resource in finding personal experiences in the paranormal realm. Mm -hmm. Um especially when you start looking at haunted hotels or, or castles or places like that, tourist places, because um, people will visit and they'll leave a review and they may have a pretty fascinating story in the review of, of something that happened to them while they were visiting. Um, I, I didn't find that with Peel Castle, but I'm, I'm just bringing that up, that if you're, if you're one of these folks that likes to go, hey, we're going to go visit this city. Let's find a haunted hotel and stay at, which is something I would do. Yeah. Um, TripAdvisor Trip is a good way uh, to to find that haunted castle or find a haunted castle,
0: haunted hotel. Yeah, maybe maybe you know. a haunted castle, too.
1: Maybe a haunted castle. You, there's a lot of, we've talked about a lot of castles you could stay in overnight. Mm-hmm. So when you're done with TripAdvisor, you can surf over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise from T-shirts, stickers, posters. Uh, You can also listen to the show and you can become a patron. And we've mentioned several times tonight about our Patreon episodes. And that is where you can find the link uh, to jump in there and uh, help out the show and get uh, a plethora of bonus uh, content. And uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Just search Graveyard Tales, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps bring us up the charts and makes the graveyard easier to find. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard.
0: See you soon.